when you're writing a book about how nobody reads anymore, isn't there a fundamental breakdown there to, 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 write, uh, to actually write a, a full book about that topic? There is, you know, but I figured I got paid to do it. I mean, sure. not a ton, but so you got paid, which means that if nothing else, some part of yeah. the culture was willing to support it, right? Yeah. And I figured even if only a few people wrote, read it, then there'd be this secret underground of mm. us who yeah. still read this thing. No, it was hard. It was the first book I wrote where I was fully cognizant of the fact that books are not central anymore. They're not the they're not the central media type for even informed discussion today. Yeah. But I mean the, the, you're going to you're going to keep writing them, I assume or, or well, have you started to rethink that? I was I was I was rethinking that. I wrote Present Shock to be my last book. Right? And I think that in the end it'll still it'll always be my best book. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the one that I was meant to write. Um, and I assumed that after that, that either the economy or my own uh, uh, book sales reputation would be such that I wouldn't be able to get another yeah. advance that would make it worth writing a book. You know that I wouldn't be able to stay alive. I so, think you've got. I mean, I think you've got enough press around it, though. I mean, it's got. It's had a very good reaction. Yeah, you went on Colbert. It got, exactly. Yeah. No, it ended up getting enough press and attention. That even if it didn't get the sales that, you know, make it some best-selling Malcolm Gladwell book, it was enough, you know, and Penguin said, come back and we'll do you again. And, you know, it made me a good enough offer that I can write another book, so I'm going to do another book. So, so, so this is, I mean, this is a silly question, but um, what, what is the purpose of writing a book like that ultimately? I mean, why, why do you sit down and why do you spend that much of your life on that particular thing? few reasons one there's there's some things that require extended inquiry right and if i'm kind of pissing away that inquiry in a series of articles or essays or podcasts or things as i go then on some level the 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 idea never fully formulates it's like mm-hmm. re- releasing lots of singles there's a a, a, a point to sitting however many months it takes and doing an album, you know, and there's a, there's a, a kind of a bigger, a bigger creative, um, for output or possibility. Um, so for me, you know, the year or two or three I take to research and conceive and write a book helps me, forces me to tackle bigger size problems, bigger size questions and to create more, uh, kind of multifaceted, multidimensional answers. Mm-hmm. The, the, the other, and we were talking about this before. I thought this was a pretty, pretty fantastic anecdote. But this is, um, this, this is. I think this is. I think on your bio on your site, but that you had a book come out, or the book book scheduled to come out in 1992 that the publisher opted not to bring out because they didn't. They thought the internet wasn't going to be around by the time that hit. And I think that that also brings up. Uh, a bigger point, and if anything, that is sped along right now to the point where you know, does it make sense to spend all the time that takes uh, to, that it takes to write a book if so much is going to change between the time you start it and by the time it comes out? Um, it depends what you're writing about. You know, if I'm writing about the top ten musical groups or the the fifty most uh, you know most productive apps to sure. have on your phone. 
um, then yeah, you don't want a traditional publishing schedule for that. But then the challenge becomes what is relevant, you know, to us as a society that, you know, what is relevant, what is going to be relevant 18 whole months from now? Yeah, what's the, what's the, to use a sports analogy, what's the Gretzky analogy? You got to skate to where the puck is, right? That's the idea. Yeah, but it's, uh, uh, I would argue it's less about that than looking at some of the bigger gears. So that, that then when people are developing all their little apps and things and 800 word pieces yeah. and things like that, they're informed by a few, uh, you know, a few longer range visions. It's part of why, you know, science fiction gets so popular in a in an era when things are changing rapidly because it becomes an easy way of mm-hmm. you know, trying to uh, kind of think out loud the consequences. It's why I'm amazed that, you know, and in some ways frightened that so many, so much sci-fi is, is you know, is zombie or apocalyptic right now. Yeah. As if that's the way we... That's the way we look at the future is just as, well, which way is it going to get us? Is it pollution? Is it nano? Is it aliens? Yeah. Is it zombies? Like we're going to, something is going to happen. We just don't know how it's <laughs> yeah. going to happen. Um, so, so, you know, ultimately when, when again, it's trying to get these big I- ideas out there, um, what w- w- what has proven more effective for you, writing a, a, a nonfiction book? Because you've done fiction and you've done comics, you've done things like that. And in a lot of senses, those were allegories and those were trying to get a story across. Ultimately, what is what's the more effective method for getting that word out there? Well, the short answer would be the most effective method is writing a uh, six to eight hundred word CNN op-ed that gets two million reads and a hundred thousand likes. Short, quick, timely, relevant. Right? But those pieces are the result of a two-year book mm-hmm. inquiry. Mm-hmm. So I'll write a whole book, like this whole thing on present shock. I'll yeah. write the whole present shock thing. Then the Boston bombing will happen, and it's a great example of a news media paralyzed by presentism and the need to yeah. report on something in moments that are actually stalled, and the idea of having a, a, a traditional narrative enemy in a world where enemies are coming from everywhere. And So it became a great metaphor for the thing I had spent two years and then I have a sort of one day or half day exercise in what are the sort of quintessential points of present shock that I can apply to this topical thing narrow it down to that 800 words and get it out there that's the most high leverage influential piece I can do but isn't it but isn't that problematic from from the perspective of of you know that you, you you can write this book, you can do all this research, but then anybody can come along and write that six hundred word piece, right? I mean, does that does that and they that can or they can't? I mean, they can't write the first one because chances are they're not but, reading. But I, I guess I mean just just from from the perspective of you know, and this this happens in, in my job too. This happens to anybody who works in or around a blog is that. However, 85% or whatever what you do is ultimately recycled or repurposed con- yeah, content. Yeah, I mean, well, sure. I mean, look at, look at you know, uh, Media Virus. You know, this book, the sort of the first book that put me on, on the map, the tiny map, but the map <laughs> in like 1994. And then look at, at something like Tipping Point that yeah. comes out a couple of years later and does it shorter, sweeter, yeah. faster, and bam, and for billions of dollars sure. more. Um, that, sure, that happens. But... Um, you know, it's you're really you're just asking like how do you how does one get to uh, monetize the I'm value not, creation? Yeah, no, it's it, it, it 
yeah, I, I, I or get that's, credit that, for that's it. Definitely, that's definitely part of it. But I guess the bigger question for me is, um, will, will there continue to be value in original content? When everything, you know, again, everything There's is recycled. value in it because sure. without it, um, nothing moves forward. Well, I mean, maybe I think- enough value in it to, to have it continue to be a thing that, that, you know, like the New York Times, for example, obviously isn't spending as much money to embed people to write a story, you know, for two years now that they've realized that. Right. I, I mean, of course, it does come down to money. And, and well, this respects. is a, I mean, this is a present shock uh, uh, phenomenon, right, where we have our media companies and our business companies using big data to figure out what to produce next. Mm -hmm. So what are they actually doing? They're taking data from the rearview mirror to see what are probable futures to be derived from that data. And what that necessarily means is a a revision to the mean and a decrease decrease in novelty. Right. If you're using big data analysis to decide Kevin Spacey plus Fincher plus political intrigue yields yeah. House of Cards American version, then you're not going to get new forms. You're not yeah. going to get Bob Dylan. You're not going to get uh, you're not going to get Battlestar Galactica. I mean, you're not going to get any of it. Um, so, yes, there's value in yeah. new creative activity. It's just. The people who are doing the genuinely novel and new stuff may not be, you know, reaping the the reputational or financial reward. Which obviously is not a new problem, right? I mean, uh, history is littered with examples of people who died poor. (laughs) You know, Vincent Van Gogh, right, is is the prominent example of that. Right. The whole trick is really to if if you are genuinely creative, if you do want to do new stuff, it's figuring out how do you subsidize. That yeah. in a world that's increasingly uh, 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 driven by uh, the past. I'm, 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 you know, as, I, as I'm processing this, I'm, I'm sort of thinking that maybe the maybe the future of that um, of creativity is 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 ghosts in the machine, right? I mean, maybe it's maybe it's it's blips in in you know uh, machine processing power, right? I mean, maybe that's it's novelty, but it's not creativity. Yeah, you know, so. Um, the thing I'd be concerned about is those those blips are not biased towards any human agenda yeah. or they don't social have, They goal. don't have the context that you need yeah. in order to really create something new. I, I suppose or they have a context, it. but it's not Yeah, uh, it's not necessarily context that's going to serve anything. I mean, and yeah, in such an environment, you'd end up getting novelty for novelty's sake. Like oh my you know my reason program just made it weird I made a mistake and made a loop that sounds yeah. cool you know I but mean, ultimately the and ultimately the human in some sense has to be the curator of that to recognize right? it well yeah. yeah I mean and that's that's there's the industrial age equivalent is you know the the kinks you know what's his name had a hole in his speaker comb which mm, uh, led yeah uh, Davies uh, yeah, yeah which yeah. led to the fuzzy sound yeah. that the kinks used and yeah. then everybody copied with fuzz yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, are, are you when when you write a book like this? I mean, is 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 there anticipation that you might you might create a change? I mean, is that the? I mean, obviously that's the hope to some degree, or that at least that more people will recognize what's going on around them. Yeah, I mean, I wrote this book to, I guess, I I wanted to have um, an analogous impact with Present Shock that Toffler had with Future Shock. Sure. And, you know, Future Shock helped 
a wide swath of people realize, oh my gosh, we're in this very fast-moving, future-leaning, forward-momentum society. This seems like one of those cases where the name, if not came first, came very early on in the process. It really didn't come first, believe it or not. Um, The first title of this book was was Now. Hmm. You know, Mm because I was really looking at this idea of everything happening now. Yeah. Um, and the two nows, that there's this false now of the devices and, and you know, and Twitter feeds and all that, which are actually all in the past. Yeah. And then that kind of real now of where are we as human beings. And and it was a kind of a call for humanism, you know, in the in the face of this increasingly, uh, you know, chronos driven timescape of, of digital technology. But not an anti I didn't want to do some anti-digital book because I see this as a problem of, you know, this is a 3000 year old problem. We yeah. just had... First we had text and calendars, then we had clocks in the industrial age. And you're clearly not somebody who's, you know, you're, you're not living up in the mountains. I mean, you no, do I'm use technology. Tech. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, if anything, I'm asking us to push through and use more and use better yeah. rather than use it blindly like consumers. Let's use it more as programmers and who are, are, you know, makers and digitally literate and in peer-to-peer economies and all that. So so is it is it your job as as an author of, of a book like this to offer answers to people? You know, usually not, but in this case I did because I figured I'm old. I'm over 50 now, so now I'm allowed to give. You're the wizened. Yeah, (laughs) now I'm old. I've seen that I've been up the mountain, so I can do my mosaic thing. Um, But, yeah, um, I can, and I'm not saying – maybe I am saying – I mean, I'm saying do this, you know, Mm -hmm. try this. Yeah. You know, and some of them are weird, you know. So I I tried to make each – uh, chapter of this thing have sort of this is this sort of predicament or the illness mm-hmm. or the syndrome sure. and then this is the other side of that syndrome so there's a, a present shock reaction and then there's a kind of presentist reaction so one of them is is you know going to big data in order to draw connections between things and the other would be use pattern recognition to actually see you know do lateral thinking and see see the underlying rhythms and orient yeah. yourself so you know, each of these each of these phenomena can be can be kind of received and responded to in a reactionary, panicked way, or in a uh, it's kind of a, a, a wiser and more human way. Yeah, I mean, that's I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I'm sure that you are one of those people who becomes kind of a um, default role dex. Uh, commentator when something like Prism comes out, right? Yeah. That everybody everybody calls you, and and, and Honestly, my first reaction to Prism, as was a lot of people's reaction, was, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised, right? I'm not surprised. I know, I know, I know the government is is bugging me. I know that all of the information I have out there, they're they're monitoring, and 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 I think part of the problem um, we run into is when every single thing that comes through the news is created with the same sense of panic, like treated with the same sense of panic. Like again, we were talking earlier about. Changes to to Facebook's terms of services or changes to Facebook's homepage are being treated with the same momentary panic on Twitter that that Prism is that you know that that um, even in a sense that the Boston bombings were right. I mean that the people were freaked out about this for a few days and then we set, settle down and move on with their lives. Yeah, I mean on a one level you can't you can't get too upset about that problem of scale. Because it's like saying, you know, we use the, we use the same language 
to talk about the death of a child or the death sure. of an aunt. Sure. You know, it's the same word. So yeah. what are you going to do? Um, if everybody's on Twitter, it's going to be all, oh, look at this yeah. Facebook thing. And But, you know, the, that's why in the end you can't really judge the Twitter metrics for the importance of the thing. You have to start looking at what is your – sounds new agey, but, you know, what is your internal metabolic – Reaction, but but, know, I, but I guess you, what I'm saying is, see the tweet. Do you have? Yeah. Do we have the same excitement? Are our hearts racing the same way? Well, that that's exactly what I'm wondering, and, and I'm wondering how much of it is a language problem, how much of it is a problem with social media, and how much of it is, honestly, you know, when when our inability to scale to yeah, see, absolutely yeah. as 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 humans, you know, as as somebody who's watching CNN again, when these things in some sense are being treated with the same gravitas. You, don't you end up sort of processing them in similar ways? You gotta wonder. I mean, I remember back when. Um, it sounds like ancient history to some users, I'm sure, but uh, uh, I remember when um, I remember when Britney Spears had some kind of breakdown. Yeah, yeah, she shaved her head. Yeah, yeah. and then they brought her away in a thing. There was like. 40 news vans outside her house to see her getting carted away because they all got the call and they all go running down there. I'm thinking, okay, you get 40 news vans for that. But it's like, you know, Syrian civil war. There's like two Al Jazeera guys there with iPhones. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, talk about scale or problems. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what, what's important and what's not. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. But um, no, these these the the media that we're using are not biased towards uh, proportion, towards you know making proportional decisions. If anything, they're biased towards the opposite. You know, because the 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 idea is to get you, you know, as upset about missing out on the next shade of Converse sneakers yeah. as you know Nelson Mandela dying. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much of it you know comes down to this original model of trying to um, create a break from the news, you know, to, to try to, to, to give viewers some kind of alternative to, um, to these really sort of upsetting things by offering them entertainment. And then it gets to the point where entertainment is on the same level as important yeah, news. Yeah, well, I mean, you watch CNN and you see that they're, they're reading the Twitter stream on yeah. the air. And they're just like, well, wait a minute. The Twitter stream is supposed to be talking about what they just did on CNN, not yeah. the other way around. Yeah. And if they're reading that and we're reading that, then there's nothing happening. It's just, you know, there's just a feedback loop, and that's a little, that's a little disconcerting. Yeah, I was, I was worried. I, 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 um, I went on, uh, I was, I was on CBS recently, and I've, I've done, if I've obviously haven't done as, as many as, as you have, but I, you know, I've, I've certainly done some cable news shows, and, um. You know, it's it's amazing to see behind the scenes. Obviously, how well run they are. I mean, you know, ultimately, whether or not they're giving you the the content that you want, they're you know they're incredibly well run machines. And I'm I'm wondering if 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 they're salvageable. You know, if 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 we're if we're at at a state now where um, you know CNN can offer valuable content to people. You know, I mean, where where do we where do we move from here if we want if we want to move towards a place where we're getting the sort of content that we want and deserve? Can we do that through the, through the current means? No, I feel like we're in this kind of state of hypercapitalism that's in some ways net enabled mm-hmm. where we do get in some ways we get the the libertarian's dream of we have the ability to disintermediate and and disrupt every situation where 
market models have been applied inappropriately. Mm -hmm. So it turns out the news is not a market industry. The news is more like, I would argue, is more like education or healthcare. Mm -hmm. It's more a public commons than it is. Are you a saying ideally industry. or are you saying in practice? In practice. Really? That there's certain kinds of things. Yeah. There's certain kinds of scarce resources that when ownership is transferred, the person who's gotten the thing has gotten value and the person who's given the thing is given value. There's this trend. Something like the news, which is broadcast, mm -hmm. it can't be, you can't pay for it and claim value in the same way. As I mean, obviously, gasoline. a lot of corporations have done really well doing just that, right? They have, but they're not doing that well doing just that now. Hmm. You know what I mean? They're they're adding to a public commons. It's a different. Yeah. There's different models for different kinds of resources. And and I mean, you you, you brought up an interesting point before, which which is you know, it's it, I think we're in a, a state right now where. Um, Potentially, at least, anything on Twitter can be held at that same level as as what this you know multi billion dollar corporation is sending out there, right? Well, can be. I mean, it shouldn't be. I mean, the the I feel like the only way we're going to save industries that create uh, things of collective value mm -hmm. is going to be to move beyond the individual profit model on some of these things. And declare some things as, you know, sort of commons driven, mm. like public radio or BBC or there's certain things that we understand. I mean, but those it, are obviously suffering as much, if not more than they are the because we don't value that because we live in a in a, you know, in a, in a market system that's really hard to see outside, especially when we're all struggling. It's the same as like, look, you know, you, it, it's the insulation equation. Like, how much money do I need to earn to insulate myself now and in my retirement mm -hmm. from the coming mobs, right? Versus how much effort could I spend between now and my retirement to make the world a place where I don't need to insulate myself from the coming mobs? Yeah. You know, and that's sort of the that's the equation. As long as more people or enough people can decide the former, we're not going to change anything. Once enough people realize, oh my God, I can't actually earn enough money to make this work, I'm going to need a more collective solution. Yeah, you don't. You, you, so you don't think that we're too far gone at this point? To well, even if we are, if we are too far gone, my my strategy for apocalypse and my strategy <laughs> for avoiding apocalypse yeah. are the same thing okay right so i'm going to join a community supported agriculture group i'm going to support public and local education mm -hmm. i'm going to try to get into um local cooperative biodiesel and you know so all you're creating a localized network and and potentially a larger network that can help right us a localized that. network that can be modeled yeah. um take as much um, uh, kind of business and and um, industrial activity away from the long distance, um, highly inefficient, exploitative supply chain uh, most that most of us live on, and uh, you know save that save you know ten percent of our value for for my uh, locality to buy the parts or the iPods or whatever that it gets from the 
from the Chinese. It's just you know, it's it's it seems like when when we're at a point right now where we can't convince people of a of a very specific, clear, imminent problem when it comes to like the environment that it's going to be a lot harder to convince them of something far more abstract than that, right? Right, which is why you can't do that. What you have to do in the end is the much more boing-boing uh, maker-craft approach, which is, wow, this is fun. Yeah. You know? And who is it? Now they're trying to make their day. And they, they meaning just the they out there. They're trying <laughs> to make fun of artisanal people. Like, yeah. oh, you make your own beers. Ooh, you sew your own thing. Like, we're supposed to be embarrassed to that. It's like, fuck you. You know, on a certain point, it's like, what am I supposed to do for fun? You yeah. know? Yeah. I have sex with my own wife. I'm not using that porn. I, I'm doing it the old-fashioned way. I'm making my own beer. I'm growing something in my garden. Oh, now I'm finding out that growing something in my own garden uses more something than if I got it from, you know, Afghanistan on a boat. It's like, oh, give me a friggin' break. I mean, there's obviously, you know, in in the age of the Internet, there's nothing that you can do. It's it's not symptomatic of artisanal crafting so much as it is that you just can't do anything without getting teased without for it. Getting teased for it. <laughs> That's what it comes down to, I think. Right, which is why the, the that's why the boing boing place is the place we have to come hide. I mean, it's funny. Happy yeah. Mutants was the original, you know, was the original ethos of it that we are Happy Mutants that we're we are um, we're not going to be embarrassed of it. You yeah, know, the geeks shall inherit the earth. But but and 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 that was something I, that I I, I, w- I was wondering as you were talking about. Um, about public radio, for example, like you know, obviously you're a big supporter of public radio. You you know, and you're involved with FMU, and I'm a big fan of public radio. But you know, even if even if we can get to a place where we can convince the people with the money to invest more of it into public radio, public television, things like that, I, I mean, are people ultimately going to take advantage of that resource and watch it? You know, if they've been you know they, they've been weaned on this steady diet of of Pumps. reality shows yeah. right i mean because you you were talking about what was it was it like real housewives of something or yeah. other that was kind of the impetus for your book yeah yeah i mean i watch real housewives maybe differently than other people but maybe not yeah i mean part of my whole career has been based on saying look i'm watching the simpsons and i'm seeing this i mean that was back when people were just saying the simpsons was crap but, the, but there's a difference I, I i maybe there's a difference yeah. and 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 i you know i i and I only say this because I do know some people who do production, but for the most part, I would say there's a difference between The Simpsons and, and that show and the respect oh, yeah. that there's a very conscious putting these messages across. Yeah, well, Simpsons is creative. I yeah. mean, it's these yeah. Harvard kids, you know. Like, it's those people who, it's people who know what they're saying when yeah. they're saying it. Yeah, yeah, but but we're not given credit for that in the first five years of their production. Sure. People thought it was it was just crap. Same sure. with Beavis and Butthead, and it, it certainly and and, and, and I mean you know in, in their defense it certainly was more crass than what it evolved into. That's true. That's true too. Um, but no, with re, with reality television, I mean like with Real Housewives, the thing that I had noticed was you know I was looking at the the nature of the communications breakdowns between the women, and the thing that always that 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 I came to realize was that the, the, the reason why these women fight so much is because they don't have appropriate facial expressions to the scenes that they're in. It's someone, because of the work the that's Botox been done them, and yeah. all the work that's been done. So, so they don't trust each other because they're instinctually not getting the appropriate the message. Right. They're yeah. not getting the appropriate visual cues that aren't consonant with what the women are saying. So they go, oh, why is she smiling when she's saying that her daughter's dying? It's yeah. like, that doesn't make sense. Um, so and, and that that for me was a great example of sort of 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 
uh, people trying to lock time down at one age, yeah. at age 29, and then making the real moment that they're in inaccessible to them, which is the definition of present shock, right? We're trying to lock in something and we're, we're so, we're stuck on a certain kind of time that we're losing flow. We're losing the moment that we're in because we're so desperate to keep up. So there was that. But no, I mean, the, the, I think what happens is yeah. I write about this in the book too is I don't think that we're conscious of content so much. I don't think that content comes and wins. I feel like there's a standing wave in culture that that this this empty wave that's looking for the right content to fill it. Mm-hmm. So we get the uh Iran uh, or we get uh, Arab Spring, and it's big, and it's on the Twitter feed, and it's all this whole big thing. And then when Arab Spring starts to die down, Charlie Sheen comes in because you've got you've got you know fifty twenty four hour news stations that need to fill up twenty four hours. Well, that and we have a, a cultural standing wave that we had just our standing wave just been so serious and so focused on this thing that we don't understand. We needed. An Anthony Weiner, sure. a Charlie Sheen. We Break. needed something to come in. Yeah. That perfect, I mean, Shakespeare knew how to do it. That perfect comic relief, yeah. humiliation yeah. thing um, to, to fill in there. So I, I feel like that's sort of the, there's a, there's a, a standing wave that, that reality television fills. I don't look at it, at it as causative as much as responsive mm-hmm. to there's a, a, an anxiety and a frustration um, and people, but it's perpetuating a lot of the problems, isn't it? Yeah, and certainly kids watching it think, "Oh, the way to get on TV is to yeah. allow yourself to be humiliated, you know, or to humiliate somebody else, or that this is our entertainment." I mean, and it's hard, but to not watch. Yeah, I want to actually yeah. want to get re- really brief, briefly back to that idea, the the the, the, the plastic surgery <laughs> example, because I feel like that might be a perfect metaphor for online discourse, right? I mean, ultimately. Um, when when we're expressing ourselves in 140 characters, you can't get, you can't send those signals, can you? I mean, no, that's a lot of the breakdown, ones. right? But isn't yeah. that a lot of the breakdown between human communication? Is we've 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 reshaped the way that we communicated, but we haven't adapted that to how we're used to being communicated. You with. can't adapt that because I mean, we're talking about you know whatever, 100,000 years of social evolution yeah. during which, you know, we still, in when we're having face-to-face contact, 94% of human communication is happening non-verbally. So there's my words I'm choosing, my pupils are opening, you're yeah. nodding or not, yeah. our breath is synchronizing. There's all this stuff that's the actual thing that's happening between mm-hmm. two organisms. When you're tweeting, even if you're just typing in an IRC, you don't get that. If you're tweeting, you're limiting yourself to you know, point oh one percent of that bandwidth. So of course you're going to miss out. You know, and you end up biasing certain aspects of human communication. And the ones that you bias tend to be um, uh, sort of the command-driven: do this, do that, be here. You suck. Um, the stuff that's that's yeah. reactive and impulsive on that level. And yeah, and we do deny ourselves these other other things. I think it's still super powerful. Um, and I think what what smart people are realizing is that Twitter is the way to point to a link. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is at its best. It's a link exchange, and and the minute someone says, "Oh, tell me how that tell me how that link you just posted is really going to fix the problem," yeah, 
the minute you answer those, and I used to, the minute you answer those with anything but another link <laughs> um, is the minute you get yeah. totally down the wormhole of trolldom. And there's no way out. I, I wonder. I wonder how much of the problem is 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 the fact that over the past century we've gradually eased ourselves into that, right? I mean, we've taken we've taken different senses away one at a time. When you move from um, face to face communication to the telephone to the internet to Twitter, I mean, you're you know you're 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 gradually moving into that different paradigm. Yeah. Well, in some ways, we've gone back to the beginning. We we were we're at the telegraph. Stage. Yeah. I mean, Twitter's a lot like Western yeah. Union was, yeah. um, even in its little punctuation and summaries of things. I love it for that. You see, not the tweet stop. That would take a lot away from, <laughs> know, from that message, right? Stop. You'd lose like six characters. <laughs> Eat a bowl of dicks. Stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You remember that one? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think you know. I think I think people, you know, may, people would maybe think out their tweets a little bit more if they had to do that, right? If there was, if there was a, if there was a lever they had to pull, or if there was some some other thing that went along with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. That'd, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. No, I mean, I hear you on that, and I, I, the whole thing is, if if you don't relegate the wrong communication to the Twitter sphere or to your email, then yeah, it's great. I mean, the problem is. People are misusing the technology. The, the, the inbox is not the assault on your time. It's the friggin' asshole on the other side of your inbox who sends you an email. He's relegated a piece of communication to the asynchronous place of a, of a email inbox. Mm-hmm. And then he's expecting you to answer it within some certain period of time. You know, fuck that. If he sent it to your email inbox, he's put it outside time. So you're supposed to engage with it. As far as I'm concerned, you're supposed to engage with it outside time. In your own time, you respond how you want, when you want. That's why we used to sound smarter in email than we did in real life because we had all the time to answer it. If you need that person right away, then you call them on the phone or you send them a text. I mean, we, we should know that. It's hard. We're, you know, we're obviously we're all approaching the same technology with different social cues and different intentions so it, it, i mean right. it, and it's it's i think it's going to be impossible to set some standard across all those technologies well you it's well you don't send it externally i mean i would think the standard gets set um by people coming to understand the biases of the technology sure. they're using yeah and if they understand what's synchronous versus what's asynchronous that's why to me it just seemed to be time was the easiest spectrum kind of to help people see you've got this much time before you die You know, time is something that connects you. If you're connected to time, to real time, to Kairos, to the passage of time, to human timing, then you're alive and in that world. If you're going to take some of your time and withdraw, you know, if you're going to withdraw some to be conscious of that. But is there something inherent in the technology that that takes away from time that makes time less less of a relevant conceit? Yeah. There is. I mean, because digital technology is, is sequenced. It's not, um, it's not continuous. It's not analog in that sense. You know, and, and that's, that's both its beauty and its curse. Its beauty is that because it's outside time, it frees up so much, right? Because, it's, because, it was, because an email is not the phone ringing that I have to pick up and be smart in that second, mm-hmm. I can be smarter in an email than I would have been in a phone call, than I would have been in the moment because I have time now to think about it. But, but I again, can defer. But again, you know, that, that's, that's theoretical. And, that, and certainly that only, that only applies to certain people in certain situations because in a lot of ways our communication has become a lot stupider, right? Well, that's because we're rushing. 
That's yeah. because we're trying to answer it all. You know, that's because we're accepting um, we're accepting email on its own terms rather mm-hmm. than making our own terms for it. You know, that's why I love. You know, it takes a friggin' Cory Doctorow to say, "Who else is going to send you an email?" I'm actually on an email holiday. I will not get this. If it's really important, email me after August first. I had a really great I had a really great email <laughs> from Corey where I was I was asking him to to appear at an event and he sent me this like ten page long contract that he basically has. Like rather than like rather than most people would be you know, it would say, Oh, well I'm gonna need this amount of money to actually speak at that event and his is just like, here's the reason why this is really hard for me and here's like a oh here's almost like a writer like breakdown of what I would need in order to appear there. I mean it's an incredibly well thought out thing that people you know um, and you know if you usually if you ask somebody and they've got a they've got a figure in mind, they'll send you that figure because they figure either you're gonna meet that number or that's just going to be enough to get you off their back, right? Yeah, yeah. But I've done that. You know, that it's the best paid things I've ever gotten. I got by throwing out a ridiculous number yeah, for sure. something I didn't want to do. Sure. And <laughs> but I mean, you know, so to, to some degree, obviously, you have to have some sort of standard of things you absolutely won't do, right? The ones that are the ones that you would have to question more are the ones where, like, a cigarette marketing okay. company. Where it's like, okay, you're going to go in there, and even if you say, what the fuck, blah, 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 they're using everything you say to be, this is, okay, this is the quintessence of the objections to our ads, so we need to create ads that can counter sure, the kind of argument. Sure. So they're smart enough to yeah. actually, yeah. I'm, just be, I'm just serving as some focus group. But, you know, what do you do if, like, some really evil guy wants you to come in and consult, right? So let's say, you know, um, Ayatollah Khomeini or someone, uh, yeah. or... or there's, let's, so there's genocide at some point in that process, right? Or maybe you know you're 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 leading them, you're helping them along that road. I guess, unless you know, if I mean, if a guy, if an evil dictator calls you up and wants yeah. advice, and you can go in and say, "Look, man, you got to stop killing people and stuff. You got to stop putting women in dungeons." And well, what you know, what if what if you feel like you've you've got a really great uh, method for killing people? <laughs> well, then I wouldn't do it. But I mean, if there's if there's some, if you get invited, you know, to like the like what the who Dennis Rodman went to uh yeah to North Korea <laughs> North Korea yeah. and Vice went to North Korea and got kind of criticized for it on the other hand I mean it's kind of cool they kind of went they're they're, they're sure and, and they're Dennis not Rodman's job isn't basically he's a professional not give a fucker at this point right? right so he 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 doesn't care I don't I don't know I, I don't know how much principles really ultimately played a role right in that. I don't know how much he's changed that nation's yeah and and he didn't expect to go over there to to, yeah. to 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 disrupt things from the inside, right? But I wonder. I mean, would would Cory Doctorow go and speak? It's a question to ask him. Yeah. Would he speak to the North Korean dictator? I'd go with Cory. You you would go speak to. I'd to be scared Kim to go. I'd go with Cory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, go, I'd ask Cory if I should go. Yeah. I mean, I would talk to other people, but my impulse is if they're going to bring me there, and I can actually talk to this guy and maybe help. Sure. Influence, but you. I, I, I. So ultimately, you don't feel like showing up and appearing at this thing is necessarily an endorsement of that. Product. No. Okay. Let, let, me, let me ask you this then to, to to just close out, and I'm wondering, um, you know, if, if you know if people read the book, they take away, they take away one thing, you know, one one thing immediately that you can do. I mean, what 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 is that thing? I mean, obviously, you know, you said that you, it's 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 a local issue for you, and that you know you're doing locally grown. You, you know, you're involved with co-ops. You're you're, you're yeah. Um, I mean, if, if somebody reads the book, yeah. then the beauty of it is they have already done one thing that they can do. Hmm. 
they've already decided that I'm going to take eight or nine hours to yeah. engage with someone's ideas in this long format. So the experience of having done that has been designed to mm. reify yeah. the premise of the book. Right, so this is a book that, in some ways, is about itself. Hmm. Right? I'm going to introduce you, reintroduce you to the present. So just by just by taking the time, you're working counter to that first chapter of you the are. loss of the narrative. You're saying it, you know. Yeah. And at the end of the book, I even thank you. I say, "Gosh, if you've made it yeah. to the end of this book, I mean, I really, I, I thank you because you know you've done something that in this day and age is a really hard thing to do. Now imagine what it was like to actually write this book sure. over two years of all the distractions sure. and interruptions, all the money I could have been making, you know, and all the things I'd started when I was writing this book, I started a marginalia hmm. where I was going to write down everything that I was turning down in order to write this section of the book. And the marginalia got so much bigger than the book. It just got so depressing. I had to stop, you know, but, the, but that's sort of the way it is. It's this, it's where all, everything you do now yeah. and sustain has an opportunity cost. Every conversation you have, there's 90 emails you could have done, mm -hmm. a thousand tweets you could have done. Every time but you make love. But hasn't that always been the case to some degree? No, there not as much. other things that you could have been doing There's always opportunity that. cost, but never such a density yeah. of opportunity sure. cost. Never and so many options of things you could be doing at any and time. And those opportunity costs weren't constantly intruding into. They weren't vibrating all the time. You know, I... I a phone call in the old days didn't get interrupted unless grandma was dying and the operator would cut into the phone call. Now call waiting is just every phone yeah. call has call waitings yeah. or there's tweets coming in. There's emails popping in. You're, you can't write an email without seeing boom, boom, boom. Do you, ever have, come up. Do, you ever, do you ever have that? Do you ever have the moment when you're on the computer and you've got so many tabs and so many windows open and there's a sound coming from somewhere and you can't figure out where it's coming from Which, because you've got so many different communications yeah. going or like a video is playing and you need to shut it off but you can't locate it right or I got all these things and it turns out sometimes it's Skype it's like someone's yeah. calling on Skype and I've turned off everything except incoming uh, on there but yeah it, it is weird it's like an alert yeah. so it gets to the point where there's an alert you know and I just don't even know which alert, what yeah. alert this is but it's even though you don't have to answer the emails as the Macintosh shows them to you in the top right corner of the screen, you still are interrupted by the choice, right? I'm going to choose not to do it, but I'm still not choosing to make that choice. Hmm. So that's why I've gotta, I still have to go into my email preferences yeah. and make it not alert me up yeah. there when the emails are coming in because I am choosing not to be alerted. Here's a weird one for you, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but with the, the new the new release, the last update of the operating system that's coming out in fall, um, the notifications up in the right-hand corner, you can now respond directly to those emails in, within the notifications. And I'm wondering how that changes the game. Right. They're basically asking you to switch task. Yeah. You know, there is no multitasking, but you can switch task. But when but when the notifications become the messages, I mean, yeah. things change drastically, right? Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> the notifications always were the messages. They just weren't they weren't hyperlinked. But yeah, I mean, that's the, certain phones have worked like that. You know, yeah. when you get then you can go on it and go right to it. When every every node is the trailhead. But yeah, the the main advice I would give someone who's not reading the book um, as to what you know what to do to start. Um, the easiest one is to start to become more aware of whether it's day or night. Hmm. Look outside a few times mm -hmm. a day. Um, and a really weird one to do is to become aware of what phase of the moon you're in. Hmm. 
Just go out, even if you don't know what they are. Look at the moon each night and see, you know, because it turns out your the your your neurochemistry changes over the course of the lunar cycle. Yeah. where you have a week of acetylcholine, a week of serotonin, a week of norepinephrine, and a week of dopamine. And if you know kind of, um, if you know that, you can actually plan your activities around it and do. It's increased my productivity tremendously. You realize you caught yourself that. earlier by saying something was a little too new age, and yeah. now you're recommending that people. Oh, this sounds new age. This a is little science, bit, I think, I right? So, well, because the moon's involved. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, tell <laughs> tell a sailor who sure. knows what's high tide and low yeah, tide yeah, yeah. that that that's new age. Yeah. You know, it's not. We're not talking about the spirits of the sea. You know, you know, don't go out there tonight. It's the spirit of the sea. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not that. I mean, it's talking basic, like uh, uh, kind of internal tides yeah um if you just start to become aware of even if it's let's pretend that's not even real if you become aware of the cycles that have driven human evolution for the last hundred or so thousand years um you end up um so much more grounded so much you end up able to access um the 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 deeper rhythms that are informing you as an individual, that's informing your cohort that you spend time with, it's in, that's informing the culture that you're a part of. You know, that there is an underlying order to this, that if you don't sense that underlying order intuitively, then that's the definition of OCD. Then you end up compulsively trying to imprint or or template an order on top of things. It's why people hmm. do the one arm bandit yeah. incessantly. It's why people check their email incessantly. Is because part of their brain is trying to figure out what is the pattern hmm. that makes a good email come. Is it every thirty? Is it every forty? Is it every thirty on Mondays? Is it every forty on Tuesdays? The back of your brain is trying to figure that out, and that's why you're yeah. checking all the time. So, so the world is working rhythmically, and you you feel the need to impose those, those rhythm, rhythms onto the world if you're not sensing them. Essentially. Right. All right, that was the great Douglas Rushkoff, and that's you know I gotta say that's really uh, uh, one of the one of the great pleasures in life is uh, sitting down with Douglas and kind of uh, letting the conversation go where it may. So I'm glad uh, glad I got a chance to share that with you guys. A uh, huge thanks to Douglas for for taking the time out to uh, to to speak with us. Um, as always, wanted to thank Brian for uh, for editing this thing together, and uh, wanted to thank you for listening. And uh, preemptively, thank you for rating the show. We've had uh, a few more folks write us on iTunes. So if you uh, if you like what you heard, that would be the place to do it. Uh, if you have any questions or suggestions, you can shoot us a line. It's riylcast at uh, gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. It's uh, also riylcast.tumblr.com. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks to Boing Boing, as ever, for hosting the show. Um, we will be back in the very near future. Actually, uh, in fact, uh, about a week from now, I've got a lot of good interviews lined up. I've uh, got uh, one with Ellen Forney coming up. Talk to her about her new book, her relatively 
relatively new book, uh, Marbles. Um, we spoke to, uh, to DJ Spooky. We, uh, oh man, who else? Dave Allen from uh, from Ganga Four. That one's coming up. Talk to him about uh, music and his uh, new career in the uh, the social media sphere. Um, uh, I'm actually out in Portland as I'm recording this outro right now. So I spoke to, to Dave out here. Spoke to uh, a couple of a uh, couple of my favorite zinesters. Not shockingly, not shockingly uh, uh, located out here in Portland. Uh, so interviews with uh, with Martha Grover coming up. Got uh, an interview with uh, Nicole George coming up as well. And uh, oh, oh, uh, Scott Arkman. Is that an exciting one too? So uh, so stick around. Lots of lots of good show coming your way.